0: Welcome to another episode of The Offline Gamer. We're now at number 27. Um, I'm Ray. And I'm Matt. And what are we talking about today, Matt?
1: Well, I think the first thing we talk about is the fact that we're recording on the interwebs instead of in person. And we know why that is.
0: Because it's snowmageddon outside. (laughs) Completely. Yeah. We've had at least 8 to 10 inches by now.
1: Yeah, I think so. I can't remember the last time it was this bad.
0: I don't think I've been wandering around in snow this deep ever. But then I come from the south, so... Yeah. It's never really snowy in the south, normally.
1: I think, uh... I'm just thinking of any good snow-themed games we could be playing. Race to the North Pole? I see one oh, that yeah. springs to mind.
0: Oh, there's another one with polar bears. I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head.
1: Oh, oh, and hey, that's my fish. That's uh, sat in, uh like icebergs isn't
0: it yeah it's got loads of penguins and stuff oh no what's that one that i've got where the polar bear chases you oh
1: um is it ice no no ice cool is not that one but that's a good one as well yeah thin ice that's the one you've got isn't it yeah that's it so apart from the weather what else is in the news this month right
0: well um Kickstarter have changed the layout. Yes, I'm not entirely convinced.
1: No, they've updated all the apps as well to yeah. um, reflect the new layout.
0: It, it's now black and white, and the logo is black and white, and it's a bit boring.
1: Actually, the the well, the icon's black and white, but the logo is green, and they've changed it on iOS this horrible green colour
0: as well. Oh, well, they've changed it on. Android to be the horrible, boring grey one. It used to be the green one, and now it's like a really boring grey, dark, charcoal y thing. Um, I'm not entirely convinced because now it, I mean, I guess they're trying to make it look more business like, but it does not appeal.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, they're trying to, I guess, make some of the projects more discoverable. 'Cause yeah, there's a lot more on the front page so. than there used to be. Yeah. But I don't know. I just I I'm just an old curmudgeon who doesn't
0: like change. Yeah. I don't like the top bar changing. Like explore and start a project have moved from one side to the other. Which, <laughs> oh, seems, okay. which seems like me just being picky. But I keep going up to the top right going, I want to click on explore but it's over there now. I'm just being a grump. But yes, they have changed it. It looks a li- little bit more like clean, I suppose. But I didn't think it necessarily looked not... I didn't think it looked like messy before. No, it wasn't
1: cluttered by any stretch of the imagination.
0: I mean, it's still... I haven't seen any improvement in how I discover things, anyway.
1: Just looking on the front page, there's a- There's a project that says, instead of project we love, it says project we lube. I'm not sure what's going on there. Uh, Okay. Which is a board game, funnily enough. Not one of the ones that we're going to be talking about, but... No. Because if they're lubing it, I don't know what's going on.
0: Mm. Let's move on. Yes. What's next?
1: There's a bit of UKGE news. Um, All of their sponsors for next year have been announced over the last few weeks. So... They've got three major sponsors. If you go to the website, you can see who they are because they're in the big logos at the top of the page. You've got Warcradle Studios, uh, Games Workshop, and Catan Studio. I guess none of those are particularly surprising major sponsors. For UKGA, not GW, no. certainly.
0: No. Um, weren't some of them aren't they weren't they sponsors this year and they're returning?
1: I actually can't remember who the sponsors were last year I don't know what that or this year I don't know what that says about their um the money that they're spending on advertising I guess i got so overloaded with stuff over the course of the weekend it's difficult to remember what was you know yeah front and center
0: I know Pegasus had a big thing this year yeah and I know they're having they're like a there's something for next year's one. I can't remember what it's called. Whether I don't think it's a sponsor. It's like a affiliate or something. I don't
1: know. Uh, okay. Well, they've got associate sponsors as well. Yeah. So there's, there's a few of those. So, um, CGE, uh, Paizo, mm-hmm. uh, Greater Than Games, uh, Geek and & Sun, and Osprey Games.
0: Yeah, Geek & Son were associates this year.
1: I, I can imagine they get a lot of business out of the weekend because the thing is about their stuff, you have to see the tables yeah, before you you know turn around and say, oh, actually, I want one of those. Because if you just go on the website and you see, oh, this table is going to cost me a couple of grand, mm. I'm I going to want to do that. But obviously, as you, as you can touch and feel, I would imagine they get a lot of business out of that stand over the course of the, the three days. Yeah. Uh, Habba are also the Family Zone sponsor. Which makes sense, because Hava make a lot of cool family games. Yep. Uh, and Tabletop Game Magazine are announced as their print partner.
0: I suppose that makes sense. Yep. As they are a print media.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, the entry tickets went on sale a few days ago at the time of recording. So I hope everyone's got their um, tickets and if you're travelling from far away, your overly priced hotel's booked. Oh yeah. Because we were thinking about Doing a hotel, weren't we? But then, yeah, it's it's uh, it's just not worth it, is it?
0: No, not you know, for it's... the few, like what half an hour we save driving.
1: Yeah, well, to yours? Yeah, yeah.
0: Even then, it's like, and especially as most of them, the cost is not including breakfast, not oh, including true. dinner. So you're going to be spending money to buy lunch, breakfast, and dinner and the hotel and eh, for for the convenience of having somewhere to go and dump a few games if you want to buy loads of stuff that, it's not necessarily i wouldn't say it was worth it for us anyway
1: yeah we didn't take we didn't really use that um like drop off thing they had last year no i don't know if they're returning i haven't seen anything to say they're coming back next year
0: mm. i don't know I hope the um, the nice the nice food is uh closer to the action this year though. Well,
1: no, yeah. Well, year. I'm just looking at the um thing on the website. It's got Hall One, blah 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 blah, Hall Two, blah blah. blah Hilton Hotel Food Festival. So See it's gonna that? be a trek all the way over there again.
0: Yeah, which is a shame.
1: It is, but I guess the NEC people are very picky about what they will allow on there. Actual grounds because obviously it's in the yeah. it's in it's on the hotel car park, so I guess it's not bound by the same restrictions.
0: I suppose so. Although definitely not going to the um NEC's own ones that were out by the lake again. No. Because no. they were overpriced and terrible. Yeah,
1: we had that did we have fish and chips, didn't we? And it was really expensive.
0: Yeah. I think I, I can't remember what I I had definitely had chips, but they were like sort of midway between chips and fries. They weren't like chip shop chips that you would expect to be served with fish. They were just like frozen straight cut chips yeah, with With a crispy coating on or something. With
1: tartar sauce from a bottle squirted all over it.
0: Yes, which then covered your top.
1: Oh, it did, yes. I forgot about that. Which wasn't great because I was doing some videoing later.
0: Yes. So hopefully no... Tartar-based accidents next year.
1: <laughs> no. Oh, it says here there's going to be a craft beer stand there.
0: At the food festival? Yeah. Or... Oh, okay. I don't drink beer, but okay.
1: No, I don't particularly, but if I have one with lunch, it'll be at my system by the time I've got to drive home. So. Yeah.
0: I think um, for next year's layoff, possibly on the uh, entertainment, because I think we overdid it.
1: We did. Uh, You know, I mean, what time were we there till on the Saturday night? It was like 11 o'clock?
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Or was that the Friday night?
0: I can't remember. It was one of them. One of them we just... uh, uh, just too long.
1: No, (laughs) RPGs aren't really our thing, are they?
0: Enough of 2017.
1: (laughs) Yeah, let's look forward to 2018. Yay. And UKGE isn't the only convention we're going to next year. As we've already mentioned, uh, Aircon is coming up in... Well, I'd I'd say March. a few months, but it's more like a few weeks, isn't it? It's 12, 12 weeks now? Uh,
0: it's the second weekend in March. Weeks. So however many weeks that
1: I'd is. Say, let's still say a few months then. It's yeah. the 9th to 11th of March at the Harrogate Convention Centre. We have our hotel booked, so we will definitely be there. Yep. And uh, you'll see us along with a few other people. So we've got a list of guests here who are going to be there, so let's go through that because um, some of them we've mentioned before some of them we haven't so uh, they've got Rodney Smith from Watch It Played on YouTube uh, so I don't know if he'll be there trying to teach people how to play games or whether he'll just be there having a good time um, maybe he will have a good time teaching people how to play games maybe uh, Paul Grogan from Gaming Rules uh, F. Carina Lane from No Pun Included uh, Michael from To Can Play That Game uh, the crew from Polyhedron Collider and many more it says obviously many more including the offline gamer obviously uh, who've they got as their sponsors CGE again uh, Travelling Man Games and UKGE are sponsoring them lovely and they expect to have 1,000 unique people over the course of the weekend jolly good and uh, I was looking at some photos because they sent us some pictures which some of which we'll put on the website because we're going to write a little article about uh about the event and uh, yeah it looks like a lovely nice big gaming space so I'm really looking forward to that.
0: Yeah so is it going to be more playing as opposed to displaying?
1: There is a, a trade and exhibitor area but I think at its core it's more of a um a, a playing convention rather than a but I mean I, I don't know I mean UKGE is like 50-50 really isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's just that all the playing is over in the Hilton. Yeah. And then quite a lot of that is for specific games and competitions, so you have to sort of like book it in advance. Whereas I'm more like, Oh, let's show up and do some stuff. Yeah. Let's let's see what takes our fancy. As opposed to I definitely want to play hours and hours and hours of Catan.
1: <laughs> yeah. Just looking to see if they've got a uh, map on the uh, website. Ah, oh, there's a list of exhibitors on the website, so all rolled up. Karmic Games, Karmic Games are the people who did that pirate game that that Pete mentioned on our UKGE uh, episode, oh, yeah. isn't it? That unfortunately didn't do very well on Kickstarter, but I'm sure I'm sure that they can drum up some uh, some stuff. Uh, City of Games, Eldritch Essences, mm. Firestorm Cards, uh, Hall or Nothing. Who we spoke to and uh, yes. having. Interview with on our UKG Roundup show. Uh, Kairos Games, Medusa Games, obviously Richard will be there with his uh, Flying Machines game, presumably. Yep. Magnificent Flying Machines. And uh, Nine Worlds, which you still haven't bought a copy of, have you?
0: No. I have too many other things that I need to play.
1: <laughs> yeah, don't we, both. Uh One Free Elephants are going to be there. I've um, bought one of their games. They're the people who made Awesome, the one with the little oh, uh, yeah. gold mine and the carts that go around. Yes. Uh, Sinister Fish, they're the people who did um, that game with the movies, I think. Uh, Oh no, Great Scott, the game of Mad Invention, that was them. Something I backed on Kickstarter a while back. Uh, And Yay Games are going to be there as well. So yeah, that's Aircon, um, as I say, 9th to 11th of March 2018 in Harrogate. Tickets are available on aircon.uk and uh, you can follow them on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, just go to Aircon UK.
0: And it's spelled A I R E C O N.
1: If you're going, we hope to see you there. So, the next piece of news, uh, which is something we've been emailed, is from Alicat Games. And they've announced a few things this month. So, first up, they've announced that they're going to be doing a range of pocket games. Um, so, the first two are going to be Pocket Sub, uh, which describes itself as an abstract strategy game of submarine warfare as you try to outwit each other's fleet of submarines,
0: Mm.
1: which is for two to four players. Okay. And the second one is a game called Pocket Farmer, which is a game of assembling drugs, getting them to market, and trying to minimise their side effects, which is, again, a light game, but this one's for two to five players. Uh, And it was originally released as a game called Medical Frontiers at Essen this year, but they've grabbed it and done a bit of reworking on it. So... I'm uh, quite interested to see how that, that turns out. Um, it says they're going to be launched on Kickstarter in March. From what I know, from what Cesar has mentioned on the board game chat Facebook group, um, that they'll be doing like a dual project and people can back for whichever one they, they want. Or oh, both. okay. Um, I may end up getting them both because, you know, small games like that
0: are yeah.
1: sort of like the thing I tend to buy. Uh, the next game they've announced as well, that's coming in the future, is something called... Now, this this gets me excited, because the game's called Chocolate Factory.
0: I not think that gets anybody excited.
1: <laughs> that's true, You might do. Uh, and we shall be, it says that this will be their next big game. Okay. Uh, it features the joy of upgrading chocolates and fiddling with a physical conveyor belt. It simultaneously contains the depth of strategy that you'd expect from the SDJ-nominated power duo of Brett Gilbert and Matthew Dunstan.
0: Okay. Yep.
1: If you're a big fan of Euro games, this will be the perfect treat with the added sweetness of wooden chocolate pieces. Mm.
0: Why are they wooden? Why aren't they real chocolate? <laughs>
1: because I guess the game wouldn't be able to be played because as soon as you open the box you'd munch them all down.
0: Yeah. Maybe. You could you could send the wooden pieces and some real chocolates.
1: <laughs> That's true.
0: Why 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 isn't it Easter yet?
1: Oh, I don't know. Why well, isn't it Easter yet?
0: I don't know. Where is all the chocolate?
1: There's plenty of chocolate at Christmas.
0: yeah I suppose so.
1: Toblerones. With not as much chocolate in as they used to have.
0: If you buy the, the massive ones, they still break your teeth, though. Yeah. Like the proper huge ones. Absolute jaw-busters, still.
1: You've got selection boxes, though. I'm sure you'll get at least one of those.
0: Yeah, maybe. Although... You have got, you gotta go with the the classic chocolate biscuit box for after Christmas dinner when everybody's like, can't move. Yeah. Just send the biscuit box around. <laughs> and everybody gets a biscuit.
1: I think we should move on before this entire episode like descends into a discussion of different types of chocolate and biscuits.
0: And just generally food.
1: Yeah. We're we'll getting yeah. enough of that. We've made talking about all the games
0: well i did I did when I saw um the notes I did wonder whether pocket sub was a game about making sub oh, sandwiches sandwiches
1: <laughs> and uh, the last bit of Alicat games news is uh well it's a bit of a congratulations to someone um because uh, someone we've mentioned on the show before who is Bez the designer of wibble plus uh, plus in a bind and yogi um she's joined alicat games so Congratulations, Bez, and uh, I hope that gives you the framework and the uh, infrastructure to uh, design a few more games and get them to market. Yay. Yeah. So, yeah, no pressure, but we expect great
0: things. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So that's all the news for this month. Coming up later in the show, we've got an interview with Simon, the proprietor of Meeple Mayhem, the uh, board game cafe that opened a few months ago in Birmingham. Um, But before then, we'll go on to our usual section of what we've been playing and buying since the last episode so i don't think we've been buying a lot have we
0: no other than the
1: stuff we backed on kickstarter which
0: we'll talk about later i bought one game oh yes called, called fetch which is a little sort of tiny game that comes in a little compact box and basically you have a variety of animals and they all have their favorite toy and you have to make a path for them through the park to get to their favourite toy. And everybody else is trying to get theirs and, and they can mess with the path so you end up going the wrong way and all this sort of thing. Um, and I just got it because it was in the sale on Chaos cards and it was like something really little, like £6 or something. I thought, oh, that looks cute. It's got a really derpy like pug on the front and a, a really angry looking cat. I thought, ah, oh, that looks fun That's a good f- filler game um, I haven't actually got to play it yet though But I have, okay. that is something that I have purchased
1: Oh good, okay uh, Well, I haven't bought anything so, Apart from Christmas presents um, And I've got a couple of board games to give away as Christmas presents But I can't say what they are Because I know the people involved
0: Somebody May or may not be is.
1: listening So yes, we'll discuss that after the new year um, so what have I been playing? Well, my Pandemic Legacy game has continued, uh, having lost the first three games. We then won two in a row. Yay! So we so we lost early and late January. We lost early February. Then we won late February and won early March. Right. So next up, we're on April. Okay. I think, oh, have I played April and lost that? Do you know what? I can't actually remember now.
0: So how many games are there in the 12 months?
1: So you you get two attempts at each month. Oh, okay. So if you win every single one, then you'll do it in 12
0: games. Okay.
1: But if you lose, then you get to replay the month again. Oh, so okay. early is the first game of the month and late is the second game of the month. Okay.
0: Fair enough. You can't tell us anything about it because it's got spoilers.
1: No, but we are opening lots of little boxes and getting lots of cool things. Okay. And unlocking all the new characters and stuff that you don't have in normal Pandemic. Oh. I might once it, once it's finished, I might do a, a roundup. Um, but obviously, it'll have to be spoiled. And in fact, I might do it as a separate episode after we have finished and just say, "Look, if you are ever going to play Pandemic Legacy, do not listen to this show. Just skip it and go to the next one." Yeah. So next up are a few games we played together. Yes. Because we had our board games night in Meeple Mayhem. And the first game we played, uh, which was me, you, and our friend Gareth, who's a previous guest on the podcast, we played Pandemic Reign of Cthulhu. Now, actually, I've got to get this right. Is it Cthulhu or is it Cthulhu? Because we get told off for saying it wrong.
0: I believe... Um, we've had this discussion before and the conclusion is the whole point of it is that you're not supposed to be pre- able to pronounce it if you're being pedantic.
1: Well, I've just Googled it. So Wikipedia has it printed as ka hyphen t-h-o-o hyphen Lu. So Wikipedia says Cthulhu.
0: But there are letters that Lovecraft wrote which say Cthulhu. However, the board game Call of Cthulhu specifically references pronouncing it Cthulhu. However, I say Cthulhu.
1: The role-playing game Call of Cthulhu has used the pronunciations Clahulu or Tluhulu. Okay, thanks Wikipedia. That clears everything up.
0: I I believe there's a letter somewhere that Lovecraft wrote and it's neither. Okay. And the point is that because it is of the language of the old gods that no human has the physiology to be able to pronounce it correctly. So in that sense yes we are pronouncing it wrong but we're supposed to pronounce it wrong. Yeah. So there you go.
1: Yeah he said that the first syllable pronounced literally and very thickly. Okay.
0: It's like, or something like that.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Some some Dutch people might be able to pronounce it better. They have some very guttural noises in their language.
1: So, yes, we played Pandemic Reign of that
0: word. Reign of the old god.
1: Yeah. And uh, we didn't win, did we? No. We weren't doing too badly, but we just ran out of cards.
0: Yeah, see, I, I was not as concerned possibly as I should have been because I thought, oh, we'll just reshuffle them once they've all gone down yeah. to the bottom. And then Gareth was like, nope, we've lost. I'm like, wait, what? That's it? I thought we were going to reshuffle that deck and start from the... like, start playing it over again.
1: But- that's the same as it is in regular Pandemic, though. You, once you go through the, the player cards then that's it.
0: Yeah, but I didn't remember that
1: bit. <laughs> it has been a while since you last played Pandemic.
0: Yeah, the last time I played Pandemic... I didn't actually play it. I was watching James Cook and a bunch of other people play it on stage. Oh, yes, that's right. Which wasn't exactly the rules that are in the box. <laughs> it was it was definitely house rules, I believe. But I, I quite liked it because some of it was a bit easier. Like, you didn't have... All of the location cards weren't a specific city. They were just the colour of the region. So yeah. you could move without having to be in an exact city, which made that sort of thing a bit easier.
1: Yeah, I liked the... um, uh, What's the thing where you could move around quicker as well?
0: What, um, with the, um, the gates?
1: Yeah, the gates, that's it.
0: Yeah, you go in a hell gate and come out another one or something.
1: Yeah, nice way of getting... Because obviously the thing, big thing about this, the board, is that unlike regular Pandemic, it doesn't wrap around... Yeah. Because obviously, normal pandemic is the world, so it's circular. But this yeah. is like just a series of towns, so you can't, you know, jump off one end of the board and come back on the other. Yeah. So I had to adjust my thinking slightly because for the first couple of goes, I was like, oh, it's okay. I can just go. But oh, no.
0: Wait. I can't do that. No. Nah. You've got to go all the way around the outside or go through a gate and pop out another one and try not to, uh, awaken any Shogoths at the same time
1: (laughs) so yeah i enjoyed it but i think i prefer regular pandemic okay i'd be interested to try pandemic iberia to see how that is
0: yeah me too and there's another one isn't there rising tide is the newest one they announced is
1: there i must have missed that
0: yeah there's one called pandemic rising tide i can't quite remember the premise but my guess would be global warming rising tide
1: here we go announcing rising tide Introduces players to an entirely new way to enjoy pandemic. It's the dawn of the industrial age in the Netherlands.
0: For uh, centuries,
1: the country has relied upon a series of dikes and wind powered pumps to keep it safe from the constant threat of, threat of flooding from the North Sea. But this system is now not enough. The threat is not from disease, but from the water itself. With land becoming more and more scarce and water levels rising by the day, a modern system is needed to stem the rising tide. Huh, that seems interesting.
0: Yeah, I think it'd be interesting to play. I don't think I'd buy a copy of it, though. I'm guessing,
1: functionally, then, the thing it's going to be that the disease cubes in this are basically the water levels, Mm -hmm. and they're going up and you have to take water out of places. Yeah. But you can build, like, um, dikes and things to stop the water from flowing in. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I quite like the look of that. Uh, Next up, we played a little card game that I got a while back that I hadn't had a chance to play and that was Magicka Mayhem which was a card game based on the computer game Magicka where you're a little wizard and you're casting spells by mixing elements together but uh, you're not a great wizard so whenever you cast a spell something really random might happen and uh, I I quite enjoyed this what did you think of it?
0: Yeah, I quite liked it I enjoyed the fact that If you summoned a elemental golem type thing, you could still win, even if you were dead, because your golem could keep taking turns. After you died, yeah. And keep killing people, which is how I won. Oh yeah, you did. Because Gareth was all like, yes, I'm the winner. And then I was like, "Uh, actually, my dude's still alive, so take all the damage. And then uh, I won. Woohoo. Yay.
1: Some of the cards are quite funny. They've got nice little bits of flavor text on them. The only problem is it it can take a bit of time because you've got all these different combinations of things in your hands that you may or may not want to do. Yeah. And you're not limited on your turn to just do one thing. You can basically do as much as you want. Yeah. So uh, sometimes there'd be like two or three minutes where we were just sitting there going, "Uh, okay, what can I do here? Oh, yes, if I use this ice element and this fire element and this earth element and I can do this spell oh but I've just picked up a chaos card and that spell has reflected back and attacked me instead oh dear I'm dead yeah which is a bit I mean the randomness is very fluxy. I think yeah I think flux is probably the, the standard for randomness in games and I think this potentially could be a bit too much for some people Maybe. But I think it was in- enjoyable, nonetheless.
0: Yeah, I thought it was quite fun. It wasn't that... It wasn't too complicated. I didn't
1: think, no, no, it? I don't think it was complicated. I think it's just there's so much stuff you can do. Yeah. But anyway, as I say, it was good. So uh, next up we played a game that we both have, but th- this was your copy, wasn't it? Yes. And it was Tiny Epic Quest. Finally, we got it to the table.
0: Yep. And it was a lot quicker than I expected.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, I See, I did horrendously in this, but it took me a bit of time to get my head around the various things that you could and couldn't do. But I think we were all sort of in the same boat for the first couple of rounds. Yeah. But you've effectively got the map, which is randomly laid out at the start of the game. Yeah. And then with your little meeples, you can move them to various places and do things like uh, exploring caves to get treasures. Yeah. Uh, or fighting goblins.
0: Yep. Learning spells. Uh, learning
1: spells, yeah. We didn't play with the expansion. We only played the base game. Yeah. Because I think if we'd have thrown the expansion into the mix as well, we would have been a bit... Yeah. Uh, a bit bit too much for us to take in first time. Mushroom glow groves. What were the mushrooms for?
0: Oh, yeah. They did like one-time effects. So you could have, like... If you're fighting a goblin, instantly kill it. Or... If you're on a dungeon, instantly go to the second. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Thingy, second stage, that sort of thing.
1: So yeah, it's good fun. I think now that we know what we're doing, two or three more games of that, and we'll all be very competitive. Yeah. I think I, I as I, I didn't really get it. I think you two clicked on it a lot quicker than i did so i didn't quite get what i was supposed to be doing so and i got like what single digit points at the end of the game whereas you both got like 20 or 30 points or something i think that's it in the realm of board games then so um we've got a few electronic-y things um i'll go first i've played a lot more PUBG, unsurprisingly they've put a lot of updates over the last few weeks in preparation for version one so they've completely redesigned the interface. Um, they've made a lot of changes to the weapon and the combat. Lots of bug fixes and optimizations. Most importantly, though, they've they've released their second map, which is on test as we speak, uh, but will be going off tomorrow. Uh, may come on again the week after. But this one is a desert map. So the first one was obviously just set on like an island, but this one's a, a big desert. Same thing, the plane goes over the middle and everyone jumps out. But um, this has been built from scratch to be a lot better optimized and I get a lot better frames per second on this than I did on the original map. Okay. And uh, yeah, it's a lot more fun. There's a lot more um, places to like hide and, and uh, also the vaulting as well, being able to jump over like crates and things makes a massive difference tactically to the game because you don't have to like run all the way around to different places anymore. And you can even jump through windows. Um, Obviously you break the glass when you do, Um, I'm surprised it doesn't hurt you actually I've just realised that when you jump through a window that's got glass in it you just go straight through without any kind of damage I'd have thought it would at least knock your health down a little bit
0: maybe it will when it's like proper
1: map release but yeah so um, that's PUBG, I won't talk too much about it because it's a fully online game and I've discussed it quite extensively like last month or the month before yeah Um, the other game I've been playing, I've been playing a bit more of the Hitman um series the episodic one that uh, yeah. they released over the last 12 months uh I'm I've done a couple more missions of that uh, really getting into it I like the fact that it's very open ended so there's a lot of different things you can do I mean the game does if when you go into a level you can look and you can see like these the game calls them opportunities but it will just give you like a picture of it and then the name to like give you a hint of what to do And then as you're wandering around the map, you might encounter two people who are just talking and then something will happen and it will say, oh, this opportunity has been updated. And based on what the people have said, the game will say to you, ah, if you go here and do this, this might be a good way to kill someone. So the one I've just done is a guy who's a leader of a band and uh, he's recording his new album. And you've got to to obviously assassinate him. Mm -hmm. So you're walking around and then you hear these two guys talk about, oh yeah, that microphone the guy's ordered has, has arrived. Why has he ordered that microphone? It's really dodgy. Yeah, yeah. When they made them back in the 60s, they had to stop producing them because there was a massive risk of electric shock. And then the game goes bing. And you look at it and it goes, ah, if you get the microphone and rig it in a certain way, you can electrocute him to death. And you're like, oh, okay, great, I'll do that. Yeah, but easily you could always just go in there and distract all the guards and just shoot them in the head, you know. But it makes it a bit more obvious. But I mm. like the the fun little ways of killing people that like they've put in the in the game. It's it's good.
0: Yeah, sounds fun. It is very fun. Jolly good. I was
1: never a big fan of the earlier Hitman games, but this one I'm I'm really enjoying.
0: Yeah. Well, I have had a little bit of a play on something that was a Kickstarter game. Uh, which is Divinity Original Sin 2, which actually properly released about two months ago now, and I completely missed it because I had had it installed from Alpha and just forgot about it. And as we have discussed before, I never actually read half the emails that I get sent from Kickstarter because there's too many. Um, So it released, and I haven't played it since it released, so I thought I'd start again. Um, I've only had like like, about an hour or so playing it, um, I still have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. Um, But uh, it's a lot less buggy than when I last played it. Obviously, I last played it when it was in alpha. And it seems to be doing very well on general release as well. Uh, So, I mean, other than that, I've been playing a lot of Hearthstone because the expansion came out. Woo-hoo. But Hearthstone is online, so we cannot discuss it.
1: Ah oh, well yes you say that but there is the the new single player mode which yes. I think we can talk about.
0: Yes, we're not the single I mean you do have to be online in the same way that you have to be online to go and play Diablo single player.
1: Yeah.
0: Um but there is a new single player mode on half-stone called dungeon runs. In which you get given a deck which is very small to start with and you defeat dungeon bosses. And as you defeat them, you get treasures and you get to build your deck bigger and bigger. And that you have to defeat eight eight bosses. I think you get something at the end if you defeat eight bosses. But having not defeated eight bosses myself, uh, I couldn't tell you.
1: I think if you de- defeat eight bosses with all of the character classes, you get a special card back. I think that's about it.
0: Bloody hell, that's going to take forever.
1: I oh, know. Seven is the most I've ever managed to do. Yeah. That was with a paladin.
0: Yeah, I've done seven a few times, and then you get to the eighth one, and then it's like five times harder than the seventh boss. Yeah. And it's just impossible. And it's like, well, this isn't very fun.
1: I watch, I've i been watching a few Dungeon Run videos on YouTube, and the tactic for the final boss generally seems to be just stay alive and fatigue it out, because it's got less cars than you.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Which is an interesting one.
0: That is interesting. I suppose it depends which one you get, though.
1: Yeah, because I've seen two. I don't know if there's any more than that.
0: Because if you get the darkness... Yeah. He just has ridiculous amount of spells and crazy stuff to kill you with. And King Togwoggle just basically steals all the treasure that has been in your run so far, even the stuff that you didn't pick. Yeah. And some of the stuff in there is crazy I think there's there's one that I've only managed to beat once which is Gutmook. who's the one who has all the trogs. Because Oh yes,
1: that's fun. Because he just casts a bunch of overload cards and then all of his trogs become like seven.
0: Yeah. And if or you or. if you try and cast a spell it either gives him a card that costs one or it summons him a trog or Yeah. Oh, just no. I hate him.
1: But I think if you're a fan of deck-building games, or, or even not a fan of deck-building games, but you've played Hearthstone a bit, uh, I think now's a good time to go back to it because you can just play these dungeon runs constantly and just practice in the game. Yeah. And I think it's it's really fun. I think it's one of the best things I've added to the game in, oh, in yeah. recent times, yeah. without a doubt. It, it, it adds a whole new you know element to it in that I think I've only played like one or two ranked matches since that came out, the rest of the time, I've just been doing dungeon runs. That's it.
0: Yeah. Like all the other solo adventures previously, you just sort of play it once, get the unlock the stuff, and then never go back ever again. Yeah. Some people go to and do it on like heroic mode, but no, I can't be bothered with that. Whereas the dungeon runs, you do want to go back and keep trying.
1: Um... And you get different cards every time, so no two dungeon runs are ever going to be the same.
0: No, which is, which is slightly problematic if you back to back them, with the same character, yeah, or the same class, because then you go, oh, that's okay, I've got that uh, that card, and you go, no, wait, that was the last Dungeon Run, crap, <laughs> I don't have that really good card, damn. But I say yeah, it's worth um, having a look. Halfstone is ostensibly free to play.
1: Yeah, unless you start buying cards, but Dungeon Run is definitely free, yeah. so. It's just part of the expansion which everyone gets. So
0: Yeah, my point was merely if you haven't played it, you can play it because it's free to download and the dungeon runs are free. Yeah. And you will get a few packs when you start a free-to-play You will? I uh, account. I think at the moment, if you log in in the next few days, you get three free Kobolds and Casacombs packs.
1: And you also get like quests which are like defeat one dungeon boss, defeat three, and defeat ten. So if you do a few dungeon runs, you'll get another three packs.
0: Yeah. Indeedy doody. And then. So that's. Yeah. Oh. No. That's fine. Okay.
1: So that's what we've been playing this month. So let's have a wander over to Kickstarter Corner and have a talk about the things that we've been backing. So. One of mine should come as no surprise. I. Bit the bullet and pledged for Dawn of Peacemakers. Yep. And it was looking very tight there for a, for a while. In fact, I think they hit their target like literally 17 minutes before the campaign was due to end.
0: Yeah, it was tight. It was very tight.
1: But I'm really happy that they have. I think... Um, it, I've, I've said this last time. You know, I have faith in, in Sammy. I trust Dawn of Peacemakers because... I've bought two of his games previously and I really enjoy them and I like the universe it's set in, and that's the main thing that convinced me to back this game.
0: Yeah. I mean, I uh, threw a fiver at it just to did help them along.
1: I was going to say, did you get anything or was it just that? No. Uh, okay.
0: I think, I think my name goes on like on a page on their website or something, but okay. whatever. Just sort of helped them along because I felt bad that they weren't getting the goal. Until yeah. literally, like, proper squeaky butt time.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, another thing I'm quite looking forward to, because they've definitely confirmed that the next... I can't remember if I said this last month or not, but the next thing in the Dale of Merchants universe is going to be a big box, big enough for all of the Dale of Merchants stuff. Yeah. Which I desperately need. My boxes are starting to get a bit worn now, so... yeah. I might even sleeve the cards, but the problem is I can't at the moment because they don't fit in the box if they're sleeved. So nah.
0: Problematic.
1: It is, but this big box will hopefully sort all that out. Okay. And then Dale of Merchants 3 will probably be out soon,
0: not yeah. long after that as
1: well. So. Super duper. The next game I backed is something I think we briefly mentioned last week, because I just found it before the episode was recorded, and that is Master Suites, the card game. Shockingly, a card game about food. Huh, who'd have thought it? I know. So this is a um, nice, quick, easy-to-learn card game. But I like the fact that it's got lots of different modes in the box. Um, You could have a solo play or co-op, competitive or player elimination. So you've got all those different card types. Uh, You've got all those different game types in the box ready for you to uh, to play. So I'm uh, quite looking forward to that. And the last game I backed is actually an expansion to a game I have previously backed and had. And that is Space Race into Cosmos. The expansion for Space Race. Space Race is, if you remember, is the competitive game where you're all building your own space agency and trying to be the best one. Um, This expansion... Uh, adds a bit more depth to the game. Um, it adds an extra space agency, the Chinese Space Agency, so you can play with five players instead of four. So that's good. But it also adds things called uh, scenarios in, um, which give the game like a bit more historical context. So it, the scenarios basically take a real life uh, events that happened in the history of space travel and incorporate that into the game. Yeah. Um, So the one that they've provided on the Kickstarter page was something called the Dawn of an Era. It says the Dawn of an Era promotes direct competition during the first three rounds as players do not have access to breakthrough cards until the fourth round. Because obviously when the space race started, everyone had like very basic levels of of technology. So um, it just means that you can't use those until later on in the game just to make it a little bit more realistic. So that's the only one that's on there, but I'm sure they'll come up with lots of like interesting ones based on real events that have happened over the last 40 or 50 years. Yeah. And uh, it also adds uh, achievements into the game as well. They let you set a specific goal. So like if this, you thought your space agency has this, then you get a reward during the game for having that. Mm-hmm. So pretty straightforward. Same as that kind of thing in, in most games. You know, If you meet these conditions, then you can instantly pick this card up and get... Uh, extra bonusy goodness. So, so yeah, that's um, Intercosmos, and I'm really looking forward to getting that. I've only played Space Race once, um, but it did go down well with the people I played it with. So, I think I hope this will add an extra fun dimension to the game.
0: Super duper. Um, what have I backed?
1: Good question. Tell us, Ray. Tell us.
0: Well. Um, I've only done two things since the last uh episode. One of them I believe I mentioned as my one one of my ones to watch. Um but the first one is now I'm not sure on on the pronunciation. It's either Nimbatu or Nimbatus. Um I'm inclined to say Nimbatu because okay. it's coming from Switzerland and they speak French in parts of Switzerland. Um anyway it's a video game oh. uh, it is a procedurally generated action simulation game you build drones and you explore the galaxy Is the basic strapline you build drones and you solve different missions um, with your drones um, and it's filled with fully destructible planets and lots of enemies and uh, you can have an online mode, but you can also do just a regular offline mode and I think what particularly uh caught my attention because this was this was sort of it has twenty minutes left, sort of backing time um what caught my attention most was how utterly ridiculous some of the drones look so. There's little gifs on the uh, Watcher Magic project page, and some of the drones just look utterly insane. Like huge, great big tentacles with lasers firing everywhere, and it like destroying, digging through planets, and lasers going off here, there, and everywhere, and missiles, and bas- basically, it looks like a lot of silly fun. Okay. Um, and it was fairly, well, it was quite cheap, because I just backed it just to get the game and uh the soundtrack, because I thought these little games usually have fairly good soundtracks. So it was 18 Swiss francs, which is not a lot. Um And it had already successfully funded, and as I say, it was like 20 minutes left to go, and I thought, yeah, sod it, go for it. It looks interesting. It's I think it's already on Early Access on Steam. Oh no, Early Access is going to be available in quarter two 2018. Right, but you can, okay. you can follow it. It's like one of, in the community. You can follow it and stuff like that. So that's Nimbatu, the space drone constructor. Uh, the other thing that I backed was Ravine, which I believe I mentioned last episode. But Ravine is a card game in which you and your friends have survived a plane crash on a island, a deserted mm. island.
1: Oh yes, you did talk about this.
0: Um and you have to cooperate to survive until you are rescued, I believe. Yeah, survive till you're rescued. Um so you have lots of different things like every time there's a night fall something Creepy and scary might happen in the night time, um, which will put your team to the test. Uh, you also have madness cards, so if you fall below two hearts of health, you will go mad. And uh, some of them are in just in the game, and some of them you can recover from, and some of them are like this is the one I remember giving an example of. Um, it's something that you as the player has to do. Um, the madness card, call me Captain. The effect being stand up and loudly announce that your name is Captain Cranberries. Refuse to speak unless you are addressed as such. Yes. Yes. So if you remember me talking about that particular card, that is uh, Ravine. I did I did go go and back it. I did wait again until quite late, but I thought, It it looks quite good. It's estimated to deliver in 2018 in April, uh, so hopefully it will be fairly swift on arrival. And that's all that I've backed. I have had a couple of things arrive. Have you had anything arrive?
1: I have not had anything arrive at all.
0: I have had dig arrive, um, which is the little pixel art game where you're digging through the deck in a sort of push-your-luck way to try and get as many gems as possible. Well, the first person to ten gems wins. Um, and you, you recruit diggers. Well, they're called recruits, but, you know, uh, you open a gallery and you dig down as far as you dare to push your luck to get as much as you can before you pass your turn over to the next person. Obviously, if you keep going, there can also be terrible things like scary monsters, and that will ruin your adventure, and you won't get any cool loot. Uh, that that arrived a couple of weeks ago now. So the other thing that arrived was Sawane, or if you want to read it, as it's spelt, Samhain, if you want to go and Google it, but it's not pronounced that way.
1: Oh yes, we had that chat yes. on the episode when we discussed it.
0: Yes, um, so that arrived two days ago, a little bit a little bit later than actual Sowayn. It would have been cool if it arrived close to actual Sowayn, but never mind. And this is the game where you are Celtic clans, I imagine, somewhere up in Scotland, and the Romans are advancing, and on the night of the celebration of Sowain, all of the clans have gathered together to decide who will be the leader of the resistance to fight the Romans. And it came with lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of little meeples. Uh, there's four different colours with 14 different figures. So it's 56 meeples in total. Uh, and they look quite fun. And i can't wait to give it a go because this was one that was it was i only paid 13 euros for it because i got us early bird uh uh yep and that has arrived and it looks very fun Uh, i haven't opened the, the cellophane yet but i'll have to do an unboxing video to get in there and all of the extra little um wooden bits and pieces that were uh, stretch goals have come as well in the box, okay. and they all look very nice. So that is Sawain and those are my two arrivals for the month.
1: Okay, let's talk about the things that we've got our eyes on then, in our ones to watch. Uh, I'll go first, and my first one is a little game that's only got a couple of days left, actually, so it might be a bit tight, um, but it looks like it is going to successfully fund. Um, it's currently at 96%. And that is um, dodgeball with dragons and babies. Because, you know, everyone likes dragons and babies and other things that are in this game, like little puppies and little cats. Okay. And uh, you're playing dodgeball with them.
0: Okay. Basically,
1: you have a hand of cards and you can play action cards to do things to the other players, like make them skip a go and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but you also have um, like the dodgeball cards themselves. Um, which go in like a danger zone in front of you. And if you have a certain number of those in front of you, then you're out of the game. Um, But you can use some of the action cards to transfer them to other players. And um, it's not, you know, particularly deep. It reminds me a little bit of a... Well, it's in that sort of vein of games that are trying to be like Exploding Kittens and things like that. Yeah. That obviously successfully funded massively on Kickstarter. But actually, I think it's got a little bit more depth to it than that not not a massive amount but obviously it's not just a case of you you randomly pick up a card and then if you happen to have a a, a diffuse card then you you aren't dead otherwise you are dead but with this at least it's you've got cards in your hand and you can play them as effects onto other people and then they can counter those effects and things like that so it's it's not you know anything deep but um it looks cute and fun and um i may back it because it's a sort of small card game that I could whip out, and certain members of our family would particularly enjoy. And the dragons look quite cute as well. No, it's funny because the video mentions that it's just called dodgeball with babies, but they must have um, expanded it slightly. Maybe people thought that just just having babies on their own wasn't going to be enough,
0: or maybe it just sounded a little bit peculiar. What, just throwing balls at just throwing babies? Just throwing balls at babies, probably. Oh, there's one in there that looks like a tiny Charizard. Yeah. Devil Baby. That looks a bit like Voldemort.
1: Oh, yeah, because he's got no nose.
0: Yeah. He who shall not be named. Ah, oh, it's got fun art.
1: Yeah, if you like that kind of like fun, just nonsense little card game, then uh, I think yeah. that's, that's right. going to be right up your street.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, I have just spotted and it looked quite fun. A, It's a video game. It's mm-hmm. for a bunch of things that I don't have. So it's for PS4, PS Vita and Nintendo Switch. So if you have one of those you may want to go and look at this. It's called Skull Pirates. It's a piratey action RPG. So With Skull Pirates, you are trying to get your captain, the Skull Queen, out of her financial issues, because she spent quite a lot of money on marketing, uh, also weapons, cannons, clothes, hats, boots, jewellery, couches and drapes, and a very expensive ship called the Coccyx Avenger. (laughs) And she, yes, she borrowed some money from a group of loan sharks led by the cunning Shark Tavia.
1: Oh, yeah, him.
0: Yep. And the Coccyx Avenger has been surrounded. There is one way out of the Skull Queen's financial predicament, the nearby Isle of Catania, which, when you look at the map, looks like um, a cartoon cat's head. (laughs) Because Catania is ruled by a wealthy upper class of feline industrialists. And they have just declared their independence as a sovereign nation. So the Skull Queen has to send her crew to infiltrate Catania, locate its treasury vault, and steal anything that isn't nailed down. That's basically the gist. You are going and stealing treasure from cats.
1: Okay, that sounds cool.
0: But as I say, it's, it's PS4, Vita, and Switch.
1: Yeah, I don't have any of those either.
0: No, but it is 20 US dollars if you just want a digital download of said game and they're estimating for delivery next October. Okay. So if that takes your fancy, it's called Skull Pirates And it's, it is on Kickstarter now and if until the end of the end of December until Sunday the 31st. At five five PM UTC, whatever that
1: is. Um, I'm just looking at the stretch goals, and there's one which is like voice acted dialogue. Mm-hmm. Weren't you supposed to be voice acting a game at some point?
0: Yes, it's sort of gone a little bit sideways on the old um, development front.
1: All right, what was that? What game was that?
0: Femida, I think, was the one.
1: A non-linear indie game about justice.
0: I think that was the one.
1: When was the last update? November.
0: Yeah, the most recent one was, uh, do you want to appear in the game as yeah. like, a picture?
1: Oh, right, okay. Do you have to pay more?
0: Uh, no. Okay. Any backer can submit their photo to be turned into a character. Um, however, it did involve dressing up in business attire shoulders and face, serious neutral expression.
1: Oh right, so you can be like on a name badge or something.
0: Yeah, and I was a bit like yeah can't be us. Awesome.
1: So my next one to watch for this month is a game called Museum. Now, this is uh, a game where you play the curator of a museum and your job is to uh, accumulate the most artefacts uh, in one place. And I guess the objective of the game is to be the person who's got the best museum that as you're playing the game, various historical events will happen that make it more difficult for you to acquire certain items.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um just looking at some of the cards, I mean there's there's like little artifacts like um jade masks and lead coins and things like that that you'd find in museums, but there's also big things like there's there's one here which is the Terror of Hercules, or there's another one which is like Stonehenge. I'm not sure how you would get Stonehenge in your museum. But that being said, um, I quite like the theme.
0: Yeah, I thought um, I thought the theme was quite uh, interesting. Inventive, yeah. Because yeah, it's it's I don't know is it set collecting or is it just point collecting, but with an interesting theme. However, the well the thing that put me off was sort of the sorted price and the uh, shipping is charged after.
1: Yeah, it's another one of those. Um but I'm 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 quite seriously tempted by this. It it is set collecting. Um collections can either be based on the treasures of one civilization in particular or be themed on artifact domains. Mm. So you can have types of the same artifact or you can yeah. have you know like an Egyptian style museum or something like that. <laughs> um but yeah, it's got a good um quality components. It's got like nice player boards for every player so that they can They have somewhere to store their uh, their museum. Lots of nice cards. uh, A big central board that goes in the middle of the table that has all the artifacts on. And uh, if you're back on the Kickstarter, you get a uh, free expansion included as well. The Crystal Skulls expansion, which looks quite nice. So, I mean, it's only €49. So that's, what, £40, give or take?
0: Yeah. And it does have a solo mode. Oh. In the the Kickstarter version. Oh, yeah. You see, it advertises um, the Cthulhu realms or the Cthulhu realms. Oh, you have to add an extra four euros. Oh, okay.
1: Actually, you say about the shipping as well. Since I last looked at it, the shipping prices have gone down. It was um, 15 euros to deliver to the UK at the start of the campaign. It's now 750. So they've halved the shipping cost to the UK. So so that's less than 50 pound all in. Uh, I think that's quite a good buy, to be honest. Yeah. So I may be uh, my backing that. But
0: then do you get the add-ons? Because there's three extra add-ons.
1: That's true. So we've got, oh yeah, the Cthulhu Relics, yeah. the World's Fair, and the, the Archaeologists.
0: Hmm. But the, ar- the Archaeologists and the World's Fair seem to be a bit bigger, because they have different boards, events, personal and character cards... And whereas the Cthulhu one just has extra objects, an extra yeah. event.
1: Cursed objects. Yeah. Presumably they make you go insane.
0: Oh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> the museum of the insane.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I would um, back any of the add-ons, to be honest, because I, I think the base game by itself looks like it may have enough content there. But I'll have a, I'll have a peruse when I uh, actually sit down and decide whether or not I'm going to back it.
0: Yeah, I mean, the archaeologists one looks quite fun Yeah. for like the tiny amount of explanation that's in there.
1: One thing I do quite like is if you're in France, then you can get the game with no shipping. If you live near one of numerous number of gaming stores, there's a list of about, I don't know, 40 or 50 game stores on the page. And Mm. if you live near one of those, you can just go in and pick it up from there which is quite nice actually maybe more Kickstarter should consider doing that like could you imagine in this country if they said right you know if you live near one of these stores you can just go and pick it up because it might also encourage people to buy stuff when they're in there so the oh, yeah. gaming stores might uh, might like that so so well you
0: know there is the channel tunnel Matt
1: yeah go go to Paris for the day and pick up the game Yeah, how much would it cost to get to Paris and back through the tunnel I've got no idea
0: I don't know, if you're driving your own car, I think it's less than if you take the Eurostar.
1: So yeah, that's uh, Museum by Holy Grail Games. What's next for you, Ray?
0: So the next one on my one to watch is Nemo's War. uh, And this is the Nautilus Upgrades expansion and reprint. The reprint of the reprint. Because the one that I got was the uh, second edition. So this is a reprint of the second edition. That I got, which I think I must have backed like two years ago now.
1: Yeah, and it arrived when? Just before you moved house?
0: Yes, yeah.
1: This is the one that was sitting in my car for weeks, wasn't it?
0: Yes. This is an expansion to that game. For those who would like to explore the Nautilus further, Nemo's War Expansion Pack 1, Nautilus Upgrades, is at the shipyard and ready to launch. So it's basically a little expansion pack with lots of little uh, upgrade cards to add to the regular game. Yeah. And if you just want the upgrades, it's $5. Um and how much does it five $5 for the upgrade pack, $4 to ship it to the UK. But it's also a reprint so you can get the whole game and the expansion for $59 and $15 for shipping. So it's $74 total, which is about 55 pounds so it tells me.
1: Yeah, we still haven't played the original, have
0: we? No, I still haven't popped all the cardboard out. Because <laughs> it's, it's such a large game that I expect it would take a while to uh, get one's head around it. However, as it is a single player game, I am tempted maybe to play it on uh, if we get snowed in for any more days.
1: Yes, that's not a bad idea.
0: Yeah. So that's... Uh, one to watch so if you liked the look of it on our unboxing video or when we've talked about it in the past it is currently doing a reprint up until 22nd of december so not this friday next friday
1: so my next game is unusual for me because i normally don't talk about computer games on on this thing i think the only one i've ever mentioned before was that um one where you played a little man going through the traffic signs but oh, yeah. um this is a game called Destination Primus Vita. Actually I don't know if you'd say Primus or Primus.
0: I would say Primus.
1: Primus. Okay, Primus Vita then. Which is a first person science fiction episodic puzzle game. But what I like about this game is the fact that it's a, a nice got a nice narrative to it from what I've seen of the, the videos on the Kickstarter page. And during the course of the game, there are actually six characters. And in each episode, you'll play a different character and you'll see how they interact with each other and their relationships as they're on board this. um, I don't know if it's a starship or a space station. Uh, It's a ship. And um, the ship's AI has created a simulation that everyone's living in. And then so in each episode, you'll be exploring in there, finding clues, uh, collecting items and, and solving puzzles. And um, I just saw the video and I thought, actually, you know what? That looks like the kind of game I could just sit back, relax and play on my own for a couple of hours uh, of an evening and uh, just get engrossed in it.
0: Yeah, and it looks like it comes with um, a comic book issue for each episode as well. Oh, yeah. Now, there seems to be a lot of... uh possible variations of how much you can back so you can...
1: Oh, there are a lot of different... You can
0: can just get episode one, you can get episode one and comic book one, you could get episode one and two issues of the comic book, you could get episodes one, two and three. There doesn't seem to be one... Is there one that gives you all six? Uh,
1: I think it's uh, the 45 Canadian dollar one, because it says you get volume one, which I presume is the game, uh, the full episodes of the game. And then you also get the comic books, the art book, and the digital soundtrack as well.
0: Ah, oh, I see.
1: So that says it's about £26, which for a full game like that is not, you know, it's like cheaper than buying a lot of things. For example, I mean, just throwing it out there, Star Wars Battlefront 2, for example.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and when they're massively expensive add-ons and DLCs and microtransactions transactions and things like that and uh, you'd probably get a lot more fun out of something like this than you would with that so uh, so yeah Destination Primus Vita uh,
0: My last one to watch I'm not entirely sure of the merits to gaming that this may offer however it's called Cats Are Scientists What attracted you to this game Ray? Um, it's got cats, okay, to be fair, I am at this stage now just playing up to the cat thing because most of these cat things I never actually back any of them no one i just I just bring them up because why not? I mean, there hasn't been a lot this month that I've actually thought looked good enough to be one to watch um, so I'll just throw this one in here
1: can i can I just say? before you talk about the game, have you seen the name of the creator?
0: Um, no. Let me scroll up. QB. Oh, I see. <laughs> it's not you, is it?
1: No, it's just Q and a B. I
0: know. So, with this game, it's kind of a dexterity, silly game. I'm guessing it will probably be good as a party or probably with kids and stuff. Um... The idea of the game is to collect six or more science points to be deemed the greatest science cat of all time. Uh, you must conduct your experiment by knocking cards off of the table using scientific method, which basically just appears to be using your elbows.
1: Some, some of them have got nose written on them as well.
0: Scientific. Oh, yes, yeah, scientific method, nose. Uh, so you have to knock stuff off with whatever your particular scientific method is. Okay. Um, And then do whatever the card says once you have successfully knocked it off the table. Uh, That's pretty much it.
1: Okay. Some of the puns on the cards are a bit stretchy, aren't they? Are they? So they're they're all of the characters, you know, you've got... um, Ah, yeah. I mean, some of them, okay, I can go with, like, Isaac Newton. I like that. Yeah. Persephone. Persephone, Cleo Portra, but then Neil Porstrong. yeah, Doctor Frank Catstein,
0: Santa Paws though, yeah. Is Santa Paws known for his scientific prowess? Uh, he gets around all the children in one night. Oh, that's true. That's magic, not science. Are you sure? Science, science, science is only magic to when you don't understand it.
1: Oh, yes. As as numerous Star Trek episodes have told us over the years.
0: Yes, and probably lots of other stuff because I don't remember it coming from... I don't remember hearing it there, but you know. There's also Pormus Edison, which completely confused me because I just sat here for a minute going, what was Edison's first name? Thomas. Yeah. So Pormus Edison didn't quite click. But the other ones are all right.
1: So my last one to watch is another one of those... Uh, games similar to dodgeball with dragons and babies that is obviously trying to be a bit more out there and random party game type thing and that's kill the unicorns I mean why you'd want to kill the unicorns I don't know because they're lovely things but uh, it's apparently a blind bidding and collection card game the only reason I'm mentioning this is because I've got a friend who's absolutely obsessed with unicorns she would probably appreciate this in fact I've got her something unicorn related for Christmas thinking about it so, um, if ever I see anything funny that's got unicorns in, then, um, it, i send her a picture of it and she's like, oh my God, I need it. Hmm. Just looking at the, there's a, there's, a, there's something called a piggy corn in this game, which is basically a pig with a unicorn horn. I see. And you can even get a plush one. Aww. A plush piggy corn.
0: Aww, that's cute. So, yeah,
1: um it's it's not anything special i don't think it just looks funny i you know if you like that kind of thing um i'm sure there are a lot of people out there who will look at that and go oh not another one of those types of games but you know what there's obviously a market for them because they're getting enough money um this is a french game it's unusual because most of the other ones come from america but um it's well past its funding goal you know they wanted seven and a half thousand pounds and they've got hundred and ten thousand. so four thousand people have obviously liked the look of this game enough to uh to back it, so I think that makes it worthy of mention. Obviously, you can't always say something's good just because it's popular, but you never know. I know at least one person who would like this. So,
0: yep. And if you if you want the legendary box with the piggy corn plushie, it's only sixty five dollars.
1: No, that's not too bad. I mean, the plushie probably costs quite a lot because they're not making a massive amount of them. So, no, yeah. The legendary version's got a glow-in-the-dark box. That's what makes it so special.
0: Oh, yeah. They have also a list of board game cafes where you can go and pick it up free of charge. And there are two in the UK.
1: Oh, yeah. Drafts in London and the Library Pot in Richmond. Yep. I've never heard of the Library Pot. Drafts I've heard of because it's in London. It's quite popular. But uh, where's Richmond? That's interesting, though. The fact that we've... I've never seen that before. And now we've seen two campaigns in the same episode that have got the same thing where you can pick it up from a board game store.
0: Maybe it's just the French being terribly considerate.
1: Maybe they are. But there aren't as many French ones. There's only like seven or eight French ones on this one and the rest are all dotted around. I fact, there's more in the US than there is in the UK, considering how much closer the UK is to France. Yeah. Just saying, guys.
0: Although it does give you some uh, targets for... Uh, holiday destinations.
1: Oh, that's true.
0: There's there's three just in Toulouse, and there's only one listed in Paris. See so if oh, you-,
1: you want to go to Florida? You can go to the Cloak and Blaster.
0: Hmm. S- snakes and Lattes. I like the name of that.
1: Oh, that's a good one. Yeah.
0: And Brot- Brot Spiele, Bread and Games. Everybody loves some bread and, and games.
1: I'm quite tempted to do a list of, um, to look up a list of board game cafes around the world and see which ones have got the best names, but I think we best leave that for another time.
0: Yeah, that's probably something for the new year.
1: Yeah, but speaking of board game cafes, did you like that segue? I thought that was very good. That takes us nicely into our topic of the month, which is another interview we've got this month. Uh, As I said earlier, it's with Simon from Meeple Mayhem, the board game cafe in Birmingham. Now, we've mentioned Meeple Mayhem on this show before. We were there on their opening weekend where we met Simon for the first time, but also had a chance to meet the UKGE guys and go through some of the games that worked for awards at the UKGE last year or this year. And Simon was good enough uh, a couple of weeks ago to give us a bit of his time to have a chat with us about uh, the cafe and how he got to where he is today. So that interview's coming up now and we'll see you on the other side. So, we're sitting here with uh, Simon in Meeple Mayhem in Birmingham, uh, the owner. Uh, thanks for taking some time out of your day to chat to us, mate. My pleasure. First of all, we ask all of our guests this what is your
2: gaming background? Well, I um, wargaming, wargaming for my sins. Uh, I started when I was about 11 and I fell down the uh, Toy Soldier rabbit hole um, thanks to GW. And yeah, that's too, even to this day, that still sort of was my. I'm still playing it, I'm really enjoying it. Um, then it, I, I got into board games quite late. You okay. know, I played um, all the classics like Monopoly and Cluedo oh, with your family. You know, and all the the terror and the stress <laughs> and the arguments and the arguments. And was like, board gaming is rubbish. Who would ever play this? And then I must have been sort of in my um, mid twenties, and I, someone brought Twilight Imperium in third edition, which is. A Very big game, yeah. It's not something that's not your that's first, not, not that's gateway game, is it? <laughs> no, it's not a gateway game at all. Um, but being sort of like hard, sort of like properly into my war games, I love the challenge. Um, and it just sort of opened me up into this world of possibility. Um, and from there, really, I just played as mean as I could and you know, visited lots of conventions and played lots of games and just got to you know, expose to this whole different world and that I've just yeah, fallen in love with. Cool. So that brings us on to why you decided to open a board game cafe uh, in the middle of Birmingham. So. <laughs> oh man. Well, I think um, I was lucky enough to um, do a quite a lot of travelling with my one of my old jobs, um, I got to see a lot of board game cafes and gaming stores in America. And I'd be, you know, I've been a member of lots of gaming stores in the UK. Yes. Uh, but they tended to be war gaming rather than board gaming stores. And I just sort of saw the possibility and. Um, I just really enjoyed the concept. You know, it was—it's more relaxed, um, it's open, it's friendly, it's welcoming to everyone. That's kind of the idea, the dream, and you've got this huge collection of board games that anyone can go and play. And you, as a customer, haven't got to invest in them. Yeah. You know, you can come down and just play from this library for for a small fee. I thought, you know, what, well, that sounds like a great idea. And so I, I came back to the UK, did a bit of investigation, and saw they're beginning to appear yeah. in a couple of cities. Um, I thought, you know what? Let's have a go. Why not? What's the worst that can happen? <laughs> and then, and then a year later, I found myself running my own store.
1: Uh, why this area in particular? Because you're not, and you're not originally from around here, right? No,
2: no, no, I'm not. Um, it's really just a combination of finding somewhere that's got a decent size, because um, I wanted somewhere where you could get sort of ten good sized tables in. Yeah. And obviously, if you're going for you know in the very centre of any city. You're going to either struggle to find the space or you're going to be charged yeah. appropriately, you know, um, in city rents for it. So, yeah, it's always a balance, you know, finding a location that's big enough to do what you want at a rent that means that it's viable. Yeah. So, a lot of places in the UK, especially over the last 12 months, there have been a lot of Kickstarters popping up for board game cafes. Was that a route you ever thought of going, or did you just no. say, No, gonna... no, I decided not to do Kickstarter? I mean, I've actually been part of a Kickstarter for uh, another business. It was. Arguably a very successful one. But for me, for a Kickstarter to really be sort of successful, you've got to have a customer base to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you're very, it's very tough to launch Kickstarter where you're, no one knows who you are. And that's not to say it can't be done and it has been done before. But for me, you a, a Kickstarter is best when, you come, when your company has been around for a while. People know who you are. you customers People who you can say, hey, I've got this great idea and I'd love you guys to help me with that vision. Yeah, And... Uh, so for me, coming to a city that I hadn't been to before, you know, I wasn't from. Yeah, um, it wasn't really wasn't really the right route to go yeah. down. That's fair enough. So you didn't obviously go the crowdfunding
1: route. Did you get any help from friends, family?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, it was a lot of um, support, uh, be both <laughs> emotional yeah, yeah. and physical. Um, you know, I went I to the bank. You know, um, those guys got on board. I think you can't do it by yourself. You know, you yeah. need support network. You need a group around you to help you. Especially because I've never run a cafe before, um, you know so that's quite daunting in itself. Um, you know, I've, I've have run a small business by myself sort of yes. as a side business. It wasn't um, um, a full time thing, but it wasn't it wasn't running a cafe. Um, so yeah, definitely friends or family are essential just to really sort of help you. Yeah, and there we need you know. And even if it's like you know your dad coming to help you build the kitchen. <laughs> so the um, obviously the place is now. Got all the furniture and
1: everything, and a lot of games. So, where did the games come from? Were they part of your collection, or other um, people? partly? I'd like to
2: say that you know they were all mine, but they <laughs> weren't. Um, I had, I had probably, I don't know, I probably have maybe forty games or so, 30, 40 games myself, okay. which I think is pretty reasonable, but it's not, it's not crazy. Um, but yeah, most of these came through sort of distributors. So there's a, there's a key one in the UK that you can use, okay. um, although there are a number of other ones. Uh, and yeah, those guys. I sort of, I did a lot of research. You know, I knew a lot myself. But I wanted to make sure it wasn't just catering to my tastes, I yeah. was catering to everyone's tastes, so you know, I did a lot of online research, you know, check out lists of people's top 20 board games, you know, you you check out Geek and & Sundry and you watch yeah. Tabletop and you see what Will Wheaton's talking about, you know, and getting excited over, um, and you bring all that together and then you try and choose the games you think are going to appeal to the broadest selection of people. So what tends to be the hottest game at the moment, would you say, that people are playing? Um, we get a lot of people currently playing Terraforming Mars. Yep. Um, we get a lot of people playing some of the gateway games like Ticket to Ride. Even when they've already played it a lot, people like to go back to it. Yeah. Um, but also Caverna. Okay. Caverna um, is pretty like if people playing. If there's not a game going on once a week, it's very strange. Like people, are, there's always sort of like a six-player Caverna game going on yeah. in the store. People, people love it. Uh, I think it's you know it's um, it's Rosenberg and it's it's farming and it's rocks and it's if, if you love your Euro games, you love Caverna.
1: So the uh, next question I wanted to ask was about the, the sort of demographics of the people you get in here. So do you find a lot of first time board gamers just walking past coming in or do they tend to be brought in by other
2: people to experience it? tends it? to be people brought in. I mean um, mm-hmm. one of the downsides of our location is we're not on a, a sort of a, a busy high street. Yeah. So um, our walking in traffic um, is generally on the lower end of the scale. Uh, most of our most of our customers, are, they've come, they've searched us out, they found out where we are and we're a destination store. Mm-hmm. So again the new gamers are brought to us. Um, and then I mean, we do get people who pass and go, "What is this? Oh my god, this sounds amazing!" And you get people coming and say, "Oh, cool, do you sell chess? Do you have chess? And we're like, yeah. <laughs> "I mean, you know, we can. It's not the game. You can compare it by chest if you want to. Yeah. But it's not the type. It's not you know the type of game we tend to get people coming into play. So yeah, people people um, tend to be brought into us. But we um, we do a lot of advertising online, and uh, I think people like the idea. You know, nowadays people are perhaps getting a little bit. You spend a lot of your time staring at screens, be it at work, be it at home, on the bus, on your commute, you know, you pick up your phone all the time, you know, I do, I can't help myself, you know, you pick it up, you get push notifications, so to come to somewhere like this, where you can unwind, relax, meet new people if you want to, you know, we get people who come, say, hey, can I join in, and they go, yeah, sure, you know, you might not think about it, but actually you go, yeah, sure, why not, let's meet someone new, you welcome into your group, and you play games, you meet new people, and you're, for a couple of hours... You're not staring at screens. I mean, sure, you'll check the phone every now and again, but you're not living your life by it. Um, I think that's a really important thing. Now, you're not far from at least two universities here, so would you say you get a lot of students coming in? Um, we do get a fair, we do get quite a few. They tend to be for bigger events when yeah. we run sort of special days. But yes, um, I think I think again, students are quite open to the idea and they like the they like the concept. I mean, this is a golden age of board gaming. Yeah. Um, and so students love that, and the fact that they can come here. We do a student night where they can come and game for free. Um, but even if they don't come on that night, you know it's a small fee, and you can play all these games, and entertain yourself for a whole day, which is pretty good value for money when you're a student. I remember those days. Yeah. And if you can, <laughs> if you can make the money sort of last, that's always a good thing. What sort of age ranges do you tend to get though? Is, is it does it tend to be like the students early twenties
1: to late twenties sort of age? or do you get like everyone up to like like? 50, 60 years Oh, away. I'd
2: say for us, the average age is probably twenty to mid thirties. Okay. We definitely have a group of sort of the older generation that come in. Um, mm. you know, sort of maybe maybe mid forties to late forties, okay. and they come in on a semi-regular basis and really enjoy themselves. Um, but the equally, we don't tend to get huge younger age group. Yeah. Um, we yeah, we tend to get, I'd say mid well 20s to mid 30s that's sort of our our core range of people i mean we're we're pretty open we don't mind who comes in well you know as long as they're enjoying the board games or they're willing to try a board game that's okay with us
0: um so do you get many family groups coming in with like younger kids or is that more like the special days as you say
2: um i think during the school holidays we definitely saw um because we've been open about six months or so now seven months um so we're still sort of trying to establish ourselves and, and get well-known, because I think in our in our community, it's very much word of mouth. Um, that sort of needs to be the core sort of marketing uh, strategy. Uh, and people trust it when it's supposed to go. So for us, families, during the holidays, we tend to get those come in. Um, and certainly if one has come in and they like it, they tell someone else and we get yeah. another family come in. Um, we have a group of, a local school? Every Wednesday afternoon, they come in with a group of kids We let them come in. They come in and they play games for sort of an hour or so or two hours, which is great, you know, and hopefully they're enjoying themselves and then they go back and, you know, they might come down with their family. But we don't tend to see vast numbers at the moment. Um, It tends to be the sort of, yeah, as I say, like the 20s to 30s, you know, professionals who are all looking for somewhere to relax or something different and, you know, have always enjoyed board games, but always in small isolated groups and are now discovering oh wait there's places we can go you know you know just our cafe you know there are meetups and groups all in birmingham all around birmingham and in other cities you know the country mm. and it's spreading
0: um i know you're on the independent birmingham card
2: mm.
0: have you seen much benefit to that because
2: i think not think we've seen a huge sort of um influx of people from independent birmingham but it's something we're yeah. keen to support you know it's always good to be part of a a network that's there to help shout out the little guy in the smaller shops and, and the, and the yes. cafes like us um we definitely see people come in and flash the cards and we're happy to you know we see that and and shows that that it's working um but you know we don't sort of see you know strange people coming in on a, on a daily basis flashing the cards no so you um you
1: mentioned it a few minutes ago and kickstarter is quite a big thing on our podcast because we spend a lot of time talking about how much money we're spending on it. But <laughs> yes. um, you mentioned that you've been involved in a good yes. start a project previously. Um, was that in the board games space or was that?
2: Uh, no, it was in the adjacent one. It was actually in the war gaming. Okay. So before I before I, um, ran Meeple Mayhem, I worked for a company called Hawk Wargames. Games. Um, so they're a miniatures company. Uh, they do sort of 10mm sci-fi okay. and that's thing. And then they also have now, they are uh, moved into uh, spaceships. There's no sort of, I'm sure I get shouted out by my old my old colleagues, but the I can't remember the exact scale for the spaceships. Um, I think it's hard to have a, an actual scale for spaceships yeah. because they're so they're so small in comparison to what they should be. Um, but uh, yeah, so we basically did a Kickstarter called Drop Fleet Commander, um, and so we uh, we kicked that off. Oh, and it I think we hit what's it right? This is where I'm Definitely, gonna get shouted out if I do not know these numbers. Um, it was sort of over the um, six hundred thousand wow, okay. pound mark we raised, um, and we had backers from all over the world. Uh, and there, yeah, it was great to see some people have faith in us and had this vision uh, and had the same vision we did, and wanted to see it sort of come to reality. And what was your original funding goal for that? Can you remember? Oh, the funding goal. I think we, put, I think we put it at fifty thousand. Wow. Okay. So it really was a massive. Yeah. I mean, the thing with kickstarters is, is that there's always a balance. Because if you set the funding goal too low, you, you, there's a danger you hit that, no one else backs it, yeah. and you find that you're, it, you're you financially in a bad place. Yeah. Um, equally, if you put the funding goal on what it needs to be, people are often put off. Because a lot of Kickstarters, um, they sort of need momentum, yeah. you know, and when you hit that certain critical mass of people and, and value... It's a self-fulfilling prophecy at that point. It just steamrolls and you look at something like Dark Souls. Mm. You know, it just, people go, oh my God, they hear about it. And the word of mouth spreads. And suddenly everyone's backing it and it just goes bonkers. Um, And that sort of happened to us on a a lesser scale. Um, But I remember on the first day I was in Canada at a convention and everyone else was in the office. And we were all just online on our computers watching the numbers (laughs) tick up and just going, wow, this is is bonkers. It was fantastic Um, and scary and amazing. Yeah. and you know you get all that emotions, and of course, then once you once the once the month or how long you've chosen, it's over for the for the, um, the funding period. You know, suddenly you come crashing down to reality. And you realise actually you've got to you've, you've got, got to, to nice. now deliver yeah. all this, um, and you hope you've you've got your your figures right because of course with a Kickstarter everything is you've had to make assumptions, you've had to make educated guesses on what the actual costs are going to be because yeah. again you don't know how many you're going to have to produce of an item, and economies of scale comes into it, and yeah. oh it's a whole it's a whole thing so. Yeah, you suddenly have to then go. Okay, guys, you take a day off and you go. Wow, that's amazing! And you go right. Okay, let's go on with develop uh, yeah. delivery of this mm. um, and all the you know the, the highs and lows that come with that.
0: I know you've got your Christmas party and New Year's Eve party. Mm. Have you got any big plans for next year yet?
2: Not well. We, we, we're looking to continue. We did a, a ribs and games night a couple of weeks ago that everyone really enjoyed. Mm, okay. That's uh, why we did slow cook. We stopped doing our normal, like, freshly made gourmet burgers and instead we did slow cooked barbecue ribs. And so we're looking to continue that. So, ideally, once a month we'll have some sort of different food adventure. So, you know, we, I think in January we already said we're going to do a curry night. And then in uh, February we're going to, we'll probably, or maybe the end of January, beginning of February, we'll do like a wings night. And so we'll do those kind of things. And we're going to continue sort of arranging games. Um, and uh, running sort of themed events and fancy dress parties and all the fun stuff any excuse really just to to come down play yeah. more games have a have a drink and just relax and unwind cool so if our listeners want to find out more information about the CAF where would they where should they go Hit us up on Facebook um, if you Facebook and search Meeple Mayhem UK it will track us down cool well thanks again for speaking to us mate and My we pleasure. wish you all the best for the next 12 months and beyond thanks very much good to speak to you guys
0: And that's our interview for this month, uh, which brings us neatly to the end of the show. So before we wish you all happy holidays and all that sort of nonsense, let's give you all of our deets again, just in case you've forgotten since last month. So you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at Togcast.
1: Or you can search Facebook for The Offline Gamer or just go to facebook.com forward slash Togcast.
0: We're also available on iTunes. You can search for us using The Offline Gamer. Uh, please go and give us a like, leave us a review. Uh,
1: you can visit our website, www.offlinegamer.co.uk for all of our back episodes, videos, articles, everything we've ever written and done is pretty much on that website.
0: And finally, you can also email us, um, and the address is offlinegamerpodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com. Or, of course, there is a contact form on our website. So I guess with that, it's goodbye for another month and another year, Matt.
1: can't believe it's been that long.
0: I know. It doesn't feel that long.
1: No, it doesn't. It's a good yeah. job we don't do one every week, you know, because we'd be...
0: Sick of each other. Sick of each other. <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose it's a... Uh, Happy holidays, happy new year, and happy birthday to all you poor folk who have December birthdays just like me.
1: Oh, but you know, I hope everyone gets lots of nice presents. Yeah, Yeah. Especially board games, because they're great.
0: And please, please tell us about the board games you have received and the board games that you played at Christmas or whenever, attempting to socialize with your family over the wintry period. So we'll see you in January 2018. Bye. Bye Bye-bye, everyone. Bye.
1: Bye.